Thanks for joining us for the Evoke Ag podcast series, brought to you by the team at Beanstalk. Evoke Ag is Australia's largest agri-food tech event designed by industry to encourage domestic and international delegates to connect and collaborate across three important areas, food, farm and future. In each episode, Beanstalk bring together startups, investors and agribusiness. We chat about disruptive innovations that are helping solve some of the biggest challenges in food and agriculture in Australia and across Asia Pacific. If you'd like to hear more in this series, please click and subscribe and share on social media. Hi, this is Graham Brown from Asia Tech Podcast. Welcome to the Evoke Ag Podcast series brought to you by the team at Beanstalk. In episode 12, Rob and Will have a chat about smart farming with Lou Conway, director of the University of New England Smart Region Incubator, and John Evans, head of the Thomas Elder Institute. Both Lou and John agree that time is the biggest limitation for farmers and the importance of challenge-led innovation in delivering viable business models for new technology. Plenty of food for thought in this episode. Enjoy. Okay, good. So, uh, welcome to Lou and John. Welcome to the Bean Pod. Thank you. Hey, great, great to be here. Yeah, great to have you here. So, uh, we're here at Evoke Ag, uh, second day, the afternoon of the second day. How have you found it, John? Very good. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. A lot of uh, a lot of great networking, a lot of great ideas floating yeah. around, and yeah. and yeah, plenty of uh, plenty of exciting things. What, for the what's future been of ag. The, what's been the the number one thing that sticks out for you guys? I mean, your elders are the headline sponsors, right? Yeah, correct. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, I think for me, the the breadth of things that are that are happening, and the the while there's a lot of stuff that's in a I suppose an inkling or a very early stage, the potential to um, transform agriculture in the future. Yeah, right. Lou? Um, look, it's been fantastic for the networking and all the events. I guess the thing that stand out for me is the urgency to actually get cracking. Um, and, I mean, we love working in agriculture and love working in, you know, regional locations. But I guess the, the real reality is that we're in a global marketplace and how do we bring together all the components in terms of education and building that capability to actually getting startups who've got solutions ready to go to market, bringing in investment. So mm. it's what's been lovely about the last two days is actually all those players are here under this incredible roof mm. and with fantastic industry engagement. So, yeah, seeing elders is fantastic because mm. it's such a key part of the regional landscape in Australia. And it's such an amazing building, right? I mean, uh, uh. <laughs> 1,200 people here, you wouldn't even, you could put another 1,000 yeah. people in here yes, and yeah. you'd hardly notice, right? Yep. Yeah. So, um, and, and do you think it's been successful so far? I mean, have they achieved what they set out to achieve, do you think? I, yeah, look, I, I think so, yeah. Just just the, the, the breadth of people who are here and the, the interactions that I've had and I assume that everyone's had mm. has been um, has been fantastic, yeah. yeah. Yeah, look, I agree. I feel like they've set the bar really high mm. and, and just a total credit to those who took the decision to make it happen because yeah. all these things are a risk as well. You know, will people come? Will it have the great momentum? And, and yeah. clearly they've achieved that. Right, so um, fantastic. So we're here having a curious chat around the table uh, about uh, 
our food production system and, and what it takes to, to uh, meet you know, what, uh, what's going to happen in the future with, with food and agriculture and lots of things happening here in Australia but also across Asia mm. Pacific. Lou, tell me a bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? I actually grew up in the Darling Downs, Queensland, by background. Yeah. So in that kind of mixed farming, you know, yeah. from catching lambs and pulling, you know, thistles and <laughs> as a child. Right. I was the youngest of five, so you got to do all those kind five of... Five kids? Yeah, labour wow. things. Um, to then, I guess, seeing that way out of being in a regional location was to go and get a degree. Mm. So I did, I went and studied and... And then I eventually... Where did, um, you, where did you study? So I studied at Queensland Uni right. and did occupational therapy. That was my first degree. Yep. Um, and I guess what I loved about that was that developmental way of working with people. But I also got to see that human services are a major part of regional economies as well. Anyway, fast forward, I ended up living in the New England and my husband was involved in agriculture. So we've, yeah, back into agriculture and, you know, the kind of the beauty of that, but also the challenges of that. So... Yeah, we were involved in a very large scale, 27,000 breeders, you know, into the supply chain, supplying, you know, the large supermarkets, um, and then hit a very strong financial crisis um, in the 80s. And, and then now we're back, you know, fast forwarding again, you know, running 200 breeders on a, you know, in a very small way. Mm. But I guess, and so seeing the breadth of um, some of those experiences, but seeing the challenges really for agriculture, what are some of the challenges? Um, I think there's huge challenges about managing risk. Obviously, soil degradation, managing soil quality is really key. Um, I mean, obviously, the connectivity issue, getting capability, um, getting the investment that we need into agricultural enterprises to take them to the next level. Mm. So, And I think there's some of that. I mean, one of the things I've loved about watching what you're doing with Beanstalk Ag Tech is actually bringing small producers. So, you know, we need to be thinking about solutions that can bring small producers as well as very large producers yeah. into the same conversation. Yeah. And um, They've got something to add, right? They have got something to add. Yeah. And so, yeah, and I think that's what's powerful about thinking about networks like elders and, you know, is that they're actually connecting all of those players. So yeah. there's a real opportunity there. What was it like growing up as the youngest? Um, look, you just don't get noticed, which is great. <laughs> you just, you can, um, some would say you get away with murder. Brothers, sisters? Yeah, yeah two brothers, two sisters. Okay. And my two are, they, are they involved in agriculture? Um, my two brothers are, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're probably, yeah, they are. And my two sisters aren't. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Okay. It's great. And what about you, John? Where did you grow up? So I grew up on a uh, dairy farm in Gippsland in Victoria. Yeah. Um, uh, also the youngest. Oh. I, I, think, I think I managed to get noticed, but um, <laughs> yeah. not in a good way. Youngest uh, of how many? Yeah, three. Three? Yes, yes. Yeah, so okay. an older brother and older sister. And my, my brother is now, uh, he bought the, the dairy farm, so he's, yeah. he's still a dairy farmer in Gippsland. Yeah. Um, so you my, experienced early mornings? and Yes, early mornings. <laughs> And, and helping out on the farm and feeding yeah. calves and, and all that sort of all yeah. that sort of fun stuff. Yes. How many yeah. how many cows? Uh, it was about two hundred. It sort of grew up to about two hundred and fifty, and and is winding back a little bit now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, and and is a generational thing for your family, like being involved in ag? No, no. I, I actually um, the very early part of my childhood was uh, in Melbourne. So uh, when I was eight years old, my, my father then at thirty eight with three young kids decided he was going dairy farming and. How did oh, you break that one? Big move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it caused some some interesting challenges, I think. But yeah, right. yeah. So uh, so yes, he uh, they mum and dad bought a dairy farm and we moved down to Gippsland. So yeah, yeah. So, so you you've also witnessed the the highs mm. and lows of 
of uh, dairy farming in particular. Yeah, and, yeah, that, that's right. There has been been ups and downs, and and you know, I suppose a credit to my dad and and to my brother in the way that they've managed to manage that, and and mm. obviously make a, a successful business right out the ups and downs with, I think, sensible decision making, and yeah, um, it's, yeah. So, so did you um, did you enjoy that growing up on a farm, or did you enjoy, enjoy that experience? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it really because I was only eight when we moved to the farm. I didn't didn't know anything else really. I mean, um, so certainly as a as a young lad and a, a teenager, being able to get out in the paddocks and get up to mischief and ride bikes and all that sort of stuff was was excellent. Um, yeah. And I think you know uh, where Lou said she went to university thinking as a way to get out of the small the small town. I actually went to university as a as a um, a way to stay in rural. Mm. Um, Victoria or rural, a rural location. I didn't actually manage to do that because I now live in Melbourne. But you were trying to get out. <laughs> so where, where did you go to uni? I, I went to uh, Latrobe. I did ag science at Latrobe. Okay. Um, worked for a while and then went back and did a, a PhD at Melbourne. Um, mm-hmm. All really related to the dairy industry. That was at Allenbank Dairy Research oh, yeah. Institute down, yeah. in, down near Warrigal. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and then uh, worked for Heritage Seeds as a product development manager for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, spent a little bit of time, a uh, few years with uh, Dairy Australia as a program manager for Feedbase. Yeah. Um, a few years with Agriculture Victoria um, in, in a dairy development role and then two elders um, three years ago. So. Yeah, right. Yeah. Fantastic. And, and, and now, and then tell us a bit about what you're doing now. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, Originally with Elders, I was in a, a, I was a technical services manager for our, our southern zone, which is providing support to our agronomy team, capability development, that sort of thing. And over the last, well, really a transition over the past 12 months into what I'm now doing, which is managing the Thomas Elder Institute, which is a new undertaking. It's been in planning by Elders for probably almost five years, really. Um, and as I said, just kicked off last year. And that's, uh, I suppose, a vehicle for us to get more involved in industry RD&E projects, really. Um, yeah, that, that, and that could and, and certainly will include product commercialisation and, and path to market. So mm. really what, what we've identified or, or we haven't identified it, it's quite obvious, is, is that growing gap between research and the farm gate. Um, we have, as, as mm. Lou said, a, a network of people who are having contact with farmers every day, be that through our, our more technical agronomy and, and livestock mm. production advisors or even to our, you know, our farm supplies reps and, and livestock mm. agents and that. We're having a lot of contact with farmers, so we're an obvious pathway mm. through to, to take new technologies, be that mm. products, services, um, you know, research through to the farm gate and similarly make sure that that information is flowing from the farm gate back to back to um, uh, the researchers or the developers mm. or the, the new technology providers. So. Okay. Because Elders has been, uh, you know, it's a bit of a stalwart um, institution yes. in a way, of yeah. Australian ag. Yes, just a, a new new entrant to the market at a, nearly 180 years in, in <laughs> yeah. Australian agriculture, yes. Yeah. 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 So, so it's, and, and what's, what would you say since, uh, you know, working for Elders in that short period of time, how, even in that short period of time, how's it changed? Um, I, I think, well, well, Elders is in a growth phase. Um, it, it, it's sort of, it's no secret that if we go back, Eight or ten years, elders was in a in a, a difficult situation after the the GFC and and changes and and um, Mark Ellison and the team the board have uh, have turned that around. So mm-hmm. what's changing is we're growing and and you know that that's quite an exciting 
place to be with new people mm-hmm. coming on board and and you know acquisitions and and all that sort of stuff uh, makes it very uh, very interesting um also uh, change it's always been a focus but that uh, um the the emphasis on technical service and and um uh, providing i suppose a, a, a bespoke or, or higher level of service to our clients has has always been there but is is increasing and and mm-hmm. it's now um, where our technical service and, and digital services offering are a key part of our, our eight-point plan, which is our strategic direction as a company, which has only been in the past uh, 18 months or so that that's been introduced. So, yeah, okay. yeah. Fantastic. Mm. And Lou, tell us about the smart farm. Hey, so UNE has actually, we talk about the smart farms now because actually, it's actually kind of an amalgam of a number of entities. Mm. So, you know, it has the largest research um, feedlot in Australia, having a thousand head. And that's at Tulimba. And then it has the Kirby Smart Farm, which is like a 3,000 acre um, working sheep property. Um, and then a number of other kind of plot trials of um, with seeds. And, you know, it's that variety of farms, I guess, that is really the smart farms. On the Kirby Farm, there's this amazing Smart Farm Innovation Centre, which is obviously often that iconic building that you see in the um, Austrade mm-hmm. magazine. It looks like, a, with like my, a control tower. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, I mean, it's kind of fantastical, you know, kind of walk in and think you could live here, but it's got that where you the great control room yeah. uh, where you can see the sensor network and, mm. and see that data streaming live and, you know, think about how you could make decisions based on that. And is it mainly livestock focused or is it sort of building out now? Um, look, there is certainly that livestock strength. That's really been a core capability in terms of genetic data as well as, um, you know, the sheep CRC, the beef CRC, all that. Um, but there's also, there's a thousand acres that's actually locked up with, since the 70s. So it's a place where you can actually do research around you know, where there hasn't been an impact of grazing. So there's some lovely wetlands and, um, bio, you know, ecological research going on there. So that's actually quite interesting. Um, so it's actually, it's a combination. And like what it's really offering is an, is an ag tech test bed, you know, so saying right. to companies or early stage companies or more, you know, um, down the track companies, come and, come and do your trials here, do the validation, tap into researchers if you want that in your, you know, kind of storyline. But it's a, it is a great place because you, you can actually have, you know, livestock rubbing on devices and seeing if they're standing up to the weather conditions and, you know, yeah. it's got that real. Yeah. But also it's a place to do a lot of that on-farm education. So having, mm. you know, the good old-fashioned field day where you can walk up the path and look at the technology in situ and what's working and what's yeah. not. And, and, and I just want to dig into, you know, the connection with the University of New England. Can yeah. you, so can you tell us a little bit about for those listeners who don't know UNE. Yeah, so uh, UNE um, was formed in um, 1938, so it was actually Australia's first regional university and it comes from those um, the, the stalwart pastoralists who saw that actually it was really important to have an education enabled to people in regional locations. So I guess that's a really proud heritage because it really was about equitable outcomes. Um, and then it became a provider of distance education, but its real heartland is still in the agricultural science and environmental yeah. science space, you know, the agronomy, the plant science, the, um, and then working with other, you know, countries. So working with ACR to kind of do uh, research projects, like that's really no, I have to, I have to show my history. hand, declare yeah. my hand. I'm actually a graduate of UNE myself. Oh, UNE so. so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> we feel like we've been watching you. Oh, that's so. right, we can edit that out. <laughs> 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 um, so tell us a bit, you know, the, the, the types of technology do you see 
being deployed on the smart farm. What, yeah. what are the ch key challenges they're looking to solve? Um, so a lot of it is around, you know, so animal behaviour, animal health, that's really key to actually looking at weather conditions, soil moisture um, and, you know, the whole kind of nutrient biomass compared to, um, you know, actual weather conditions and, and actually putting pulling together those data sets. So the Ask Bill app is something that's come out of the, the Sheep CRC. Right. So Tell us about that. So it's been um, a quite a sort of significant investment out of the CRC to actually bring together, you know, the weather data, genetic data, you know, and, and soil biomass as well as thinking about, you know, will we buy, sell, Will we join? Will we, you know, the kind of decision-making end of that. So, mm. so that's, um, so I guess that's the problem it's trying to solve. Is this a tool to help people make better decisions? The, mm. so while there are a number of applications, I think it's the decision-making end that UNE really wants to develop its strength in. Right, and 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 the impact that that has directly on farmers. Farmers, yes. Right. Well, what would something like Ask Bill? What, what, what would be the impact? So being able to manage your stocking rates, right. whether you're going to buy, sell, how you're going to manage that forward, you know, um, forecasting in terms of your stocking rates, all of that, you know, it's it's another tool to help you make better decisions. Okay. And, and so, John, for you for, and for the team at Elders, what's the linkage there for potential linkage? Uh, for your team? Around, well, particularly Ask Bill, um, we actually have that. So elders have been de developing what we call the Smart Farmer app, yeah. which is a, a portal app that um, is not designed actually to generate any of the information itself. It's just delivering information to farmers. So as as a component of that uh, of that app is the Ask Bill um, right. service. Oh. So that's actually being offered through the So it's, the a, it's a platform? Yeah, basically, yeah, a, a dashboard for, for one, a customizable dashboard that um, over time will build more and more um, services that are available. Um, mm -hmm. Not necessarily things that we we own or, or, or um, you know are bringing to the market ourselves. It's just a, a portal for those things to come through. So, like like Ask Bill, um, yeah, there's weather, there's market information, mm -hmm. you know, water level information, those sorts of things. So, the idea is it'll be a spot where farmers can actually have a, I guess, a single access point to the information that they want, and that that could be third party um, subscription services that that um, are delivered through that that portal but bring it in the one spot which make yeah. it easier for farmers to, to locate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And tell us about uh, you know the program that you're running now. Yep. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, you know who's who's involved. Yes. And, and what, what's the impact of that? Yeah. So so I mean the program at the moment um, as I said in, in very early days so a lot of the work uh, to date has been socialising the idea and, mm. and talking to the various you know the RDCs mm. the university as we were uh, we were discussing before, UNE is, is one that's on the list, but I hadn't got to, so thanks for bringing Lou and myself together. That's, that's fantastic. Um, so, yeah, talking to the different, I guess, um, RD&E providers, funding bodies, industry groups, farmer, um, farming systems groups about what we're doing and just exploring where there's opportunity to work together. Um, the other, the other um, side of that is our, our commercial partners, so the multinational you know, R and D companies, those sorts of sorts of people, mm. and also you know, getting down to to smaller companies, SMEs, and even mm. even startups coming to mm. us and mm. and saying we've got this new technology or new product or service, and trying you know wanting to get it to market. And obviously, mm. we've got a great pathway to market, mm. but also probably more coming back to what Lou was saying about field testing at the at the mm. smart farms sites. Um, then the next step is sort of taking it out onto into the commercial world and testing it on mm. on a, a little bit less controlled environment. Not yeah. that the farms, smart yeah, farms, yeah. Uh, smart farms are that controlled, 
but putting it out into the real world and then you know the, the next stage of testing i suppose is where the institute yeah. and elders can can play a role to to uh, bring it out and it, a good example of that, um, it's actually a very developed technology, but uh, it's called um, TrapView, which is an insect, a delta trap with a camera, basically. So it traps um, flights of insects based on pheromones and putting them out into, uh, into paddocks with sheep next door. And for yeah. some reason, the sheep were chewing on the, I think it was the earth cable from yeah. the battery. <laughs> Why the sheep chose that one, I don't yeah. know. But you, would, you, wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't think to test that in the, in the development yeah. phase. But if you... If you don't put these things in, in situ, you don't find that out. So. It'd be worthwhile just to, to explain maybe to those listeners outside of Australia, the CRC, RDC. Mm. Okay, yes, yes, sorry, yeah, using, using, using three-letter acronyms. Okay. Um, so uh, CRC is Cooperative Research Centre, so a, a government, federal government-funded, um, I suppose, uh, collaboration around a, mm. a, a specific, not research project, or, but a, a theme or research area. Um, RDC is a, a um, research and development corporation, so a, a partially farmer based levy funding, partially um, uh, government funded uh, research and development organisation. So they, they fund a lot of research projects and other you know, market development projects to benefit different industries. And what's your view uh, on the RDCs and, and the impact that they've had? I mean, this might be slightly controversial, but you know, I think um, you know, the, it was at the time, I think it was quite a visionary, maybe John Karen mm. yep. uh, going uh, back a number of years, back yes. in the 70s, I think, yep. uh, when the RDCs were, were launched. So what's, you know, what's been the major impact of that and perhaps what's been the biggest challenge of the RDC program? So, so I think, I mean, they, they, they've had a huge impact in, in my view in terms of just making sure the, the research particularly is getting done, so funding, funding researchers and making sure we've got that capability to do research. Um, and that has led to, to some fantastic outcomes for industry and farmers. I think the biggest challenge for them is getting recognition for that, that work in terms of, you know, that, that yeah, we were talking earlier about no-till farming and I'm sure there's components of that were, that were levy-funded, GRDC-funded work, mm. but by the time it actually filters through to implementation on farm, that's lost the connection mm. to to the, the original funding. So if you talk to a lot of producers, if they're not, if they're not sort of engaged in that area, mm. they don't recognise that mm. the technology they're using were actually funded by their levies from years ago. So they say, well, what are my levies doing for me? Do you, so, do you think there's an argument for scaling some of the innovation technology uh, that comes out of the RDCs out of Australia? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think... Um, you know, there's been conversations here that, that the Australian market's only a certain size. So the ability to generate a return from investment in a, mm -hmm. a new technology is limited. So really, we've got to look globally to, to get that return. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's some impacts in terms of global competitiveness, but it's such a global market these days anyway that I think that's a, mm -hmm. that's a, 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 a sort of a false uh, fear, if you like. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about for you, Lou, and, and the smart farms? Uh, and you yeah. and he, I mean, also for CSIRO. I mean, the CSIRO's yeah. had a long-term yes. uh, relationship with you and he. I know. The, you know, and you, as a levy-paying producer as well, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, it has been those projects around, around dung beetles and, you know, that have really had a huge enduring impact that all came out of CSIRO originally. Mm. Um, I guess where I'm sitting now working with startups and, you know, is that a number of those startups are actually working with um, you know some of the RDCs and and looking and looking for investment and receiving investment so I think there's I think that's exciting that mm. there there is that some of that seed funding coming through to get up to a bit of an MVP mm. sort of minimal viable product um, and yeah and it it is it is risk-taking like that's right. where you know our whole we kind of need to shift our 
a little where we are so concerned about failing, I think, too. And Do you think that's a, that's a big problem? Um, I think I think we we can become overcautious, mm. and we're you know not everything's going to work, and but but we'll actually learn through doing, and it, and it really is the power of collaboration. Yeah. So um, fast fail. Yep. Fast to fail. Lots of learning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. do you think you know you've got an M, you know a, bis, a startup has got an MVP, then what? Yeah. So, so it's is interesting. That, is that a problem? You know, attracting uh, investors or capital. Uh, market expansion. How do you see that building yeah. up for, for you and the smart farms projects? Um, look, I think I, I think we realise that we've really got to be much more proactive in uh, in getting in being really aware of what does investment readiness look like for a startup, and so that we can attract you know VCs in. We've actually been also doing some work with um, angel investors. So, like the Hunter Angels has the longest um, running regional angel investor fund, you know, in our kind of area. And just looking at, well, what would that look like, you know, if we actually worked closely with a number of possible funding avenues? Mm. But it does mean we've got to have startups ready and hungry. And right. um, and people are currently, you know, investing their own personal savings. And, and how, how many of those you see coming through UNE as, a, you know, the, the, the university? So, yeah. through the agricos uh, through rural science and the other faculties are the are they feeding some of the startups uh, that we, are joining a program we are starting to build that so currently we've got 43 startups working with us and half of those are in the ag tech area but we are really they've ex- come from internal or um, they, across the been... region actually some of them are alumni like yeah, like okay. Rob, who've actually kind of said, I can grow, grow this startup back close to home where I know there's that strength in research. You know, so you can actually get on the phone to David Lamb and say, you know, how did you go about that research? Or so how does that, what does that process look like for startups looking to come and run trials with UNE and, and engage? Yeah, that? so there's two ways. They can either join the SRIs, we call the Smart Region Incubator. That's our kind of outward-facing entity, and that means pitching with, a, with an idea, being coachable, <laughs> um, wanting to scale and wanting to create jobs in the region. They're the kind of, mm-hmm. yep. Um, but then if they – otherwise, there are some entities that go straight to the smart farms and Rochelle, who's here with me, she's actually that industry liaison person. They'll set up a trial. Um, but then there's actually connecting to researchers. So some of those um, companies are either de- developing CRC partnerships, so that there's another way of kind of working with researchers. So it's it's – we're finding – I think we've got to be more nimble as a university around how do we engage with industry and make it easy for industry to, you know, to engage with us because I think we've, yeah, that's mm. been a bit harder. So, so I mean, John, for, as with elders, as a key industry player, I mean, how would you respond to that? I mean, what, what are the sorts of things that you can do that you can see that bridging to what Lou and the Smart Farms team are doing? Yeah, yeah. Well, well firstly, uh, the, you know, that, that recognition of the being more nimble and, and easier to develop partnerships, and that's something that, you know, it's a journey that, that we're all going through yeah. to, to make that uh, more simple. Um, uh, I, I think from from Elder's perspective, I mean, we, we have a lot of people come to us with ideas or maybe yeah. MVPs or, or things that they want to take to market, and, and just some of that that reality of working in the agricultural sector. Yes. So, you know, if, yeah. if it's a, a new widget or something that's going to sit in a paddock and if it's going to be, a, you know, uh, deployed in Hilston in a paddock in the back of nowhere, um, when it breaks down, how yeah. is it going to be serviced? And, yeah. and often they're not, people aren't thinking about that sort of context because from our perspective, and we've, we've had it in the past where we've taken on new high-tech products, 
put them out in the field. And of course, when if something goes wrong, the customer comes straight back to us. Yeah. We don't necessarily have the knowledge or the, the background with the that technology yeah. to be able to solve the problem. So okay. there's some, some realities in terms of taking these things out in an agricultural context that perhaps don't exist in other yeah. other markets that are a lot closer to home. So yeah, how, how do you manage that? I mean, you, you, I assume, want to be on the forefront of what's being developed and you want to make sure that, you know, at Thomas Elders Institute, you're, you're really pushing the new and emerging and also giving opportunity to uh, to startups who are looking to, you know, scale and to, uh, to, to, to continue to iterate on their products and that yeah. sort of thing. But I assume there's a tension with making sure that you can go out to your to your customer base mm-hmm. and, and kind of, you know, your brand sits behind it and, and you are sort of mm-hmm. in some ways responsible for the quality of technology yes. coming through. How do you how do you kind of balance those two? Yeah, so it, it, and it is a challenge. Um, at, at the moment, really, the, the, the approach we're taking is to, to, in talking to these new technology or the, the people who are wanting to take it through to market, is, is just sitting them down and saying, all right, so have you got this and this and this and this in place? And, and really, from an elder's perspective, we're, we're willing to help um, where it's appropriate sort of develop those those processes but we wouldn't take something to market unless it had all that ticked off basically because it, it, it doesn't work for elders but it also doesn't work for the, the, the technology provider or the, the customer so mm. we need to have all those things in place to make sure it's workable f- mm. before we try and take it out to market which mm. you know in, in terms of engaging with, with things like startups and, and the, the incubators and that sort of stuff that's, that's where we can perhaps provide um, input and knowledge that, mm. that people don't necessarily consciously think of because we're in that market of taking products and services out to our, our clients at a regional level. Mm. Um, we've got a lot of experience mm. in that, that, that we can help help just guide people's thinking, I guess, and, and development in those yeah. perhaps pa- post-MVP mm. uh, into, a, into a commercial reality. Yeah, I mean, John, it's a, in ag, ag tech, it's a pretty noisy space. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's, a lot, there's a lot happening mm. and there's a lot of technology, yes. a lot of great, great... Um, uh, innovations. Yes. Um, do you think that um, we don't focus enough on the challenge, challenges, and specifically that farmers, producers, yes, yeah, uh, or or up and down the, the value chain are having? Yep. Do you think it's more a focus on the piece of technology and developing that out? Yep. And how? And if that's the case, you're nodding your head. Yes. Both of you are. <laughs> um, you know, how do we address that? Yep. I mean, how do we focus on challenge-led innovation uh, rather than the technology? Per se. Yeah, yeah, and, and it, that that is absolutely the case. That there's a lot of, and not not all, but there's some great stuff going on. But there's a lot of stuff we've got a technology, so we need to find a solution to a, a problem to, yeah. to fix it with, and you know that that leads to a lot of stuff being developed that isn't really ever going to be viable. Mm. So, uh, getting the farmer or the problem in in um, in the picture to start with is is a vital part. Obviously, how we do that, um, that's not an easy easy fix. Obviously, the the institute can play a role in that. In in providing that connection and that connections through um, through our network more so than through the you know the institute itself the other thing that we've found really valuable is just sitting down with whether it be researchers or technology developers or and, and you know researchers in particular where they they may not even be working in a necessarily agricultural field and they've got a fantastic technology that they've got no idea could be deployed mm-hmm. on a farm or solve a solution so it's a case of just sitting down with you know particularly from our perspective we sit down with our advisors and the researchers and so just talk about, you know, yeah. problems, technologies, and, and often the, the researchers will be talking about something and our advisors will be, well, hang on, if we adapted that to this solution it could, or this problem, it could be a, a solution for the problem. So. There was a really interesting um, um, 
um, insight. There's some interesting insights that came back from a recent trip that Cal and I uh, did, and and it came through actually um, uh, the Bridge Hub and the team of the Bridge Hub, and they'd been uh, I think at their Hindi Field days, and. Um, uh, what came up actually is a real need was around farm security, mm. uh, not just uh, stock th- stock theft, but uh, machinery, mm. uh, diesel, mm. um, tools, yeah. uh, and so it seemed to us that that was something that, you know, there, there was a need there, but and perhaps there was even technology available, but mm. it actually the two had been connected yeah. up, and not something we'd heard much about. It's not a not a problem that you hear much about that lots of people are looking to try and solve yeah. in ag. Yeah, yeah, our understanding is that, you know, uh, it happens, and 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 uh, yeah. farmers find that they've had uh, diesel stolen and whatever they don't mm. either don't report it or don't think there'll be an outcome mm. Mm. so you know i think they're the sorts of keeping your eyes and ears open mm. uh, That's right. yeah. and really matching up the challenge uh with a piece of technology yeah yep. um, i think is really good Luke, yeah. what's your take um we look we totally agree that it has to be producer focused so one of the things we have developed through this um the smart region incubator is actually having an on-farm so using the smart farms as a place to actually run a hackathon event so you actually you've got producers pitching their problems and then you've got a wide diverse range of talent from high school students to you know university students through to TAFE students as well as technologists um innovators, startups, all working together to hack those problems in a really time-pressured way. Mm. And um, curiously, one of those problems, which was how might we measure um, productivity in non-traditional ways, was one of the problems that came through last year in our on-farm hackathon. Um, and Angus Street with Auctions Plus, who's here, we were just, he was in the winning team. So he and so he happened to have a PhD student with him in that team, and he's going to take. They're taking that idea forward. So you know that's the right. perfect kind of example where it was um, four producers had pitched their their measuring productivity challenges, and that's actually coming through into developing it to the next mm. stage. We need to do more of that. Yeah. And so in July, at the end of July this year, if anybody would love to join us, we will have sort of minus seven degree morning it normally starts very cold at seven o'clock um and then we just yeah hack that whole day with solving problems yeah i mean the other the other bit that i think we need to keep in mind in that in that you know uh, problem and and solution uh, or new technology landscape is making sure that there's a viable business model that's actually going to um bring that technology to market and make it viable so you know is is it actually going to be able to deliver be delivered at a uh, a cost or a, a price that's actually going to be workable in a in a commercial mm. farm environment. Um, yeah. uh, there's a lot of stuff that gets gets sort of thought up or, or worked on that that really won't be economically viable. It's it's just too far out of the the cost um, uh, benefit ratio to make it uh, um, useful on farm. Basically, I mean, I think we're all there's so much data information flying around these days mm. um, sometimes it's for all of us it's it's um, a bit overwhelming for farmers in particular how do you think they they're coping with that um, it probably depends a little bit on the farmers but um, you know I think given that that in general farmers or particularly farm owners are getting older so they're not necessarily the generation that are um, you know have have grown up with technology so that doesn't obviously stop them from from adopting or understanding but obviously it's a it, it makes it more challenging um really what they data data to a farmer unless you're a very specific sort of farmer is is um lucky to be interesting mm-hmm. as far as being effective or uh, something that's actually going to make a difference on their farm it generally won't what they need is decisions so if it, if it's just looking at data it's 
almost pointless. It's got, got to actually improve the timing or accuracy of a decision that's going to give a better outcome, you know, yeah. reduced risk, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, uh, more time or, or, or time saving or um, increased in, income, basically. Yeah. Um, but so yes. from pre- precision farming to decision Decision farming, farming that's exactly right. And, yeah. and there's not, a, there's, there, no, that's not the right way to put it. There is a, a huge focus on it now, but, you know, previously it's been, oh, we've got, we can measure this, that's great. But, okay, so what? What do we actually do with that measurement and how do we make a difference mm-hmm. on farm in a way that, that is effective for a farmer? What do, what, what do you think, for both of you, what do you think the, the bigger, biggest limitation for farmers? What's the biggest limitation? I would say time. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually going to say exactly the same thing. Yeah. I think it's time. time. Yeah. 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 So it's, that's probably a key message yeah. to, to innovators. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yes. Anything that it can... Uh, free up some time, time. and yeah. resources yeah. Yeah. for and, farmers. And if, if it's something that's that's very, very complicated to implement, and, and um, Graham Page, one of my colleagues, had a, a, a talk at, um, or a, a workshop earlier today and, and they were talking about the adoption of um, no-till farming and a farmer actually stood up and said the reason that that worked is because it was easy to implement, yeah. it was effective and it was profitable. So... Those things. It wasn't yeah. a more complicated system. It was a, an implementation of something that was easy. So, a lot of the new technologies come through, and they start off as a very complex thing to engage with. They've got to be very, very simple, mm-hmm. simple input and a simple output, basically. Mm. So, so just thinking ahead five years, and 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 you know where you've, you've been running the programs um, for mm. for smart farms and for elders. What what do you think? What would success look like, you know, in terms of the program that you're running, and what would you like to get, you know, see out of that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, for, from from an elder's perspective, around the the Thomas Elder Institute, um, that we're actively engaged in, you know, industry across industry uh, mm-hmm. RDNA activities. So we're we're providing that, I suppose, that link to the farm gate uh, between research and the farm gate, new technology in the farm gate. Mm-hmm. Um, um, from a I suppose an ag tech coming through perspective, I'd I'd like to think that we are able to more more accurately and in a more timely fashion, particularly you know forward looking, diagnose um, or identify potential uh, yield or profitability limiting factors. So whether that's disease outbreaks, mm. you know, nutritional um, mm. uh, challenges, that sort of stuff. So yeah, that that sort of now to forward looking. Um, uh, identification of, of things that are happening mm-hmm. I think would be would be fantastic. What about for you, Lou? Um, I think there are some big things like, you know, growing more food and fibre with no harm. You know, that's still going mm. to be something we have to aim for, I think. Um, you know, so, so sustainability? Yeah, and regen ag, so we're really paying attention to the quality of our resources and how we maintain and support that, including people, you know, so... You know, it'd be really great that we're actually growing regional jobs and actually turning that into value. I think where we are mixing that kind of academic rigour and research rigour with entrepreneurial passion, I think we've still got to have that appetite for risk and trying and mm-hmm. recreating, but also working across sectors. And I love the way John talked about that too, because I think, you know, the things that we solve for ag um, can be solved for health as well, mm-hmm. services. So the things that totally. matter in... There's real convergence at the moment. There is yeah, a convergence. From fintech, uh, with blockchain... Uh, technology or enabling technology, uh, but also ag and, and, and food tech mm. yeah. and, and med tech. And, yes. And this convergence 
uh, is great, but it's also a bit complex, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it is complex. Absolutely. So, um, and if people want to find you guys, where would where would they look you yeah, up? Yeah, so please, I'd love you to kind of just um, search um, Smart Region Incubator. It'll be smartri um, on our .com.au and really happy to be contacted via email or phone. So, or land on the UNE webpage and just also search for Lou Conway. Okay. Yep. Uh, so just search Thomas Elder Institute. Um, or via the, the elders' website, basically. And so uh, for startups who might have a new product they would love to put in front of you, um, how who, who's the best person to contact and what would be the process? Yeah, so just, just I, I guess, get in touch with me, um, either, as I said, through Thomas, search Thomas Elder Institute or, or elders, um, and I can certainly respond and have a discussion about what the, what the new technology is and how exciting it is. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks very much Thank for joining you. us, guys. Thanks hey, for thanks for having time. us. Thank you. You've been listening to the Evoke Ag podcast series brought to you by Beanstalk Ag Tech. Visit evokeag.com for more podcast interviews and event information. Mm-hmm.